0: Welcome to my podcast Freestyle. If you enjoyed today's episode please share and review on social media. Today I'm delighted to welcome international dressage rider and trainer Charlie Hutton. I've known Charlie through the show circuit in juniors and young riders. Charlie is the son of the well-known Pammy Hutton and his grandmother was a very famous Molly Siverite. Charlie has had a successful international career with results to date including Grand Prix, Eight international wins, six national titles, team gold and individual silver at the Youth Olympics, and has ridden on five consecutive junior and young rider teams as well as the Young Rider World Cup. I want to find out what it was like to grow up at Talent and what Charlie's future plans are. Hope you enjoy it and thanks for listening. Hi, Charlie. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Um, can we go back to the very start? Our backgrounds are very different. I come from a non horsey background, whereas horses are in your family blood. Can you, tell yes. me about, can you tell me about your early years? You obviously come from a highly successful equestrian family. Your grandmother and sister are all very successful in their own right. Did you feel pressure to start riding?
1: Uh, yes, is the short answer. <laughs> um, but um, I think my, my childhood, um, in short, was basically, obviously, I grew up around horses and um, I saw them of all different shapes and sizes um, and I was put on a horse as a baby. Um, wow. I think I, I had my own basket and um, <laughs> I think... I actually had an incident where um, one of the first few times I rode, uh, I was put on one of my mother's Grand Prix horses um, owned by a lady called Hilary Hughes. And um, I think I must've been about one and a half or two, but he bucked me off and I landed oh, right yeah. in between the jump wings. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the start of my um, my mischief if you like but then um kind of going up from there I actually like was more into hunting and just normal boy stuff um and uh didn't really take horses that seriously to be quite honest um and I was I was useless at riding to be quite honest with you um and it wasn't really then until I was like 14, I think, that I started to, I remember um, between, it was like summer holidays, I think, and I was off school uh, and I just started to help mum warm up a few of her horses for her. And that's when I started to get the bug. But before that, um, there was a phase where my mother used to try and pay me a pound (laughs) every time I rode because I was so unenthused and unimpressed <laughs> and just your normal, like, teenage boy, to be quite honest with you. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there, really.
0: And sort of, like, presumably you could have chosen to jump as well, but, like, why why did you choose dress dressage? And eventually what made you kind of think, yeah, this is for me?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, that one. Um, it... The honest answer is, I don't really know. Uh, It it just happened. Um, I still, to this day, like jumping. um, And um, I've done a few cross-country fences. Actually, today, we took our horses down to the river uh, for the first time. And um, that was quite an experience. But um, no, it's for me, dressage is one of these things that um, it became addictive. Um, uh, I started to understand it more. And I think when you don't really understand what's going on, you, you, can, you really don't get the idea. And what's the point you see riders sitting there and, you know, the horses are dancing around doing pretty little things. But I started to actually understand the, like, I started to get better at it, to be quite honest with you. Um, and then as I got better, I just started to kind of develop from there and, I wanted to just keep getting better and I wanted to keep getting better as a rider and also like to be better for the horses as well, because obviously, as you know, when they go better, they feel better and then it's a better partnership. So, um, that's kind of why dressage more than anything else. And I like the, um, the technicalities of it, you know, like, um, every every day you learn a new thing and it's about the communication between you and your horse and your horses and um yeah, every day a school day and did
0: you did your mum sort of like put you on the grand prix horses or were you made to ride all sorts of different horses there
1: uh yeah so i well, did not get to ride the best <laughs> horses to be quite honest with <laughs> you uh, I was saying to someone the other day that my perception of what a good horse was was uh, severely um, underestimated, I think, because of the the amazing school horses that we had at Talland. And there, there was, you know, some horses there that had won amazing things like badminton and been to the Olympics and um, been great as show jumpers. And so like, we did have, you know, amazing horses, but they were at their like the retirement years and um, obviously horses can feel a little bit stiffer then so I wasn't even allowed on those to be quite honest when I was younger um, I I was put on the the steadfast school horses uh, and what i have looking back at that time now what I feel most sorry for <laughs> was the poor students trying to teach me how to ride because I was an
0: ass <laughs> you a nightmare <laughs>
1: I just I wasn't I didn't listen I like just yeah I just I'm too far far cry from the person that I am today <laughs> you've <sure>.
0: evolved then
1: <laughs> yeah uh, but then later I got I, I was allowed as I started to get better I was then allowed to um to ride some of my mum's horses and did
0: you spend like hours watching her or because it's your mum was it like oh, I'm not interested because I can never imagine how that must feel to have like my family is just so not horsey so for me that would be so alien
1: yeah. Um no, I did not watch. I was too busy interested driving the tractors to, like how I went out to get my peace and quiet. Um, my dad does all the like land maintenance and so on, and um, as well as everything else. And I would go off in the tractor at like ten years old, and and I would harrow the fields. So that was my kind of like distraction from yeah. it all.
0: Yeah. So sort of between your grandmother and your mum, what would you say that the they're the key things that they've taught you? And this can be riding or non-riding.
1: Um, that's it's an interesting question that one because. I mean, obviously, my grandmother's an amazing lady with an amazing heritage and legacy. And um, she's, you know, not only a rider and a trainer. She's obviously been so successful with talent. And, but more than that, she's like a rule writer and a book writer. And so I, unfortunately, as I was growing up, would never really got to see her in her heyday. Yeah. Um, and it's only now as I get older and I've actually started rereading some of her books. Um, yeah, because I and... read
0: her book. She's got well, she's one called uh, Thinking Riding. And I remember that. I just thought that was absolutely incredible. I read that when I was about 16, I think. Yeah. Did you?
1: Yeah. So at that time, I still was pretending I wasn't <laughs> interested. Um... But that, that actually, I, I reread it. I've had to do some um, online webinars and uh, I've been using some of her material there. And it makes me appreciate how amazing she really was as a, as a lady. Yeah. Um, and my mother as well has got her own amazing traits and qualities. Uh, obviously, that's also a little bit closer to home um, and it can be difficult kind of as a son and family relationship you know you're working together eating together living together riding together Um, but I'd say the main things that I take away are from my grandmother's perspective I take away her depth of knowledge uh, and quench for um, learning that's something that I really try and consciously do myself Um, and then for my mother it it would be the main thing is to just kind of work hard um and to just you know be your own person and just keep going basically yeah
0: it's good advice yeah and who would you say has also influenced your riding career outside of the talent circle
1: um so i've been fortunate enough to train with some amazing trainers uh i was based out in germany for six months with johnny hilberath the german team trainer um and I'd say that he influences me quite a lot. Um, still, I mean, I was only there for, for a few months, but um, and when you... you've been out training in Germany, haven't you? And you know what it's like. It's very intense. Yeah. So... Did you
0: ride other horses there as well then? Or...
1: I did. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was only allowed to ride some of the ones that were for sale. Um, obviously, the German system is the German system. And, you, you know, you're privileged if you get to sit on another one. Um, but uh i kind of that would be the fundamentals of training I, I i have this expression that when i kind of blossomed out of uh talent i was like a piece of swiss cheese i, w- I had all the makings but i had holes and then uh, those holes needed to be plugged and a lot of that was plugged in germany um and then I was, at, I trained, I was based at Carl's for 18 months um, living there and um, was very lucky to ride some of his horses uh, on an infrequent basis. Um, yeah. And I had my horses based there as well for a bit. So um, I'd say Carl is a big influence too. Um, and, do you still, and do
0: you still work with Johnny now then as well?
1: Uh, no, I don't. But interestingly, I mean, it's been about... Uh, eight years, probably, since I was last there. and uh, But I can still send him a text message. I often do about when I'm looking at horses to buy and things. I'll um, text him and say, what do you think? Uh, and get his advice on anything.
0: Yeah, that's good. Really good. Cool. Um, I also was reading that you've been to the youth championships. Um, and I don't actually know that much about it. So can you tell me a little bit what that was like? You, you won a medal there, I believe. Um, yeah. How does it all work?
1: so um this is a long time ago now um it was it basically a exactly the same as an olympics but for youth uh, athletes um so it was held in sydney where the sydney olympics were everything was the same the, the equestrian facilities were apparently the same as they were in sydney and um yeah it was it was an amazing experience because it gave me a taste for what senior um championship will be like one day hopefully um, and yeah I was lucky enough for one team gold and individual silver um but it was very close, actually, because a fellow competitor on the British team, Jess Dunn, she uh, didn't have the best ride on the first day, whereas I did. And then on the last day, she actually beat me um, in, the, in the final scores. But luckily, my accumulative accum- score, I got silver and Jess got bronze. So it was, it was great to come home with all those medals, actually, as a, as a squad. Um, and Gareth was the team trainer. Um, but yeah, like I said, an amazing opportunity to hopefully get a taste of what it will be like uh, for real one day. Did you
0: take your own horse there then, or did you ride other horses?
1: No, we rode borrowed horses. Okay,
0: that's an experience then. That must have been, yeah. So you just pitched um, up and they just gave you a horse. Like, how many days before did you uh, start riding the horse? So,
1: if I remember, we flew in, uh, the flight was a killer, it's like 24 hours, and then, um. We, I think we just had a, we, we settled into the um, athlete accommodation, uh, which is all just basically flats. And again, all the same accommodation like the Olympic village. Um, we had the opening ceremony and stuff. And I think it was only maybe the day before or two days before that we got the horses drawn. And really curiously, there, there was a rider out there called Casey Stickland who, yeah um came yeah so she actually came to talent um i think when she was about 13 for a month training Uh, and i got out there to sydney and obviously casey's australian and i was like oh hi casey how you doing she's like yeah yeah we've got two horses here in the lineup we've got one horse and and a pony and uh both the british um or two out of the three british team riders so me and emily cousins rode casey's horses yeah which is just such a small world <laughs> to think that. Um, and then, yeah, we, we got one day to um, get to know the horses, I think one or two days max. And then it was so hot. It was like 43, 44 degrees. Uh, and my, I was quite tall for uh, Casey's horse. So um, basically I had, I think, about 15 minutes before going into the arena because... Um, we are done like one session the day before and Gareth was like, right, we need to manage this carefully. So we did 15 minutes of walk in hand. I got on for 15 minutes and went straight in and did the test.
0: And what level so was that, Charlie? That
1: was advanced medium. Okay. So it wasn't anything too um, taxing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that must have been, I can't imagine that like having to ride in different tack and everything and not knowing the horse. That's, a, that's quite a big deal, I think, and, you know, in that situation. Um,
1: do you like do you like having everything set up like your way
0: yeah I like like I'm very particular about my saddle I'm that kind of person like my saddle is everything to me I have to have the right saddle and then I'm, I'm, I'm good to go but if I'm in someone else's saddle I think it's also because I don't have the longest legs it's like that's that's <laughs> a big deal to me so
1: so I actually had a, a funny story um it, this was a couple of years ago there I had a mare to compete called Sigri Sané um And uh, I think it was the Pre-St. George and Inter1 regionals. Um, And I was super confident. She was going really well. I would allowed plenty of time, got her ready. I was bragging at the yard saying, okay, I'm all packed, ready to go. Got, you know, I'm not not running late. Turned up to Wellington and um, I opened the tack locker and realized that my tack wasn't in in
0: there. Oh no.
1: (laughs) And I just had this jaw-dropping moment of, oh, oh my, my God, God, what am I going to do? So I borrowed Nicola Buchanan's uh, saddle and bridle, and I won both classes. Oh, so fantastic. It must be, a like, um, you know, fate that clearly... Uh, I think all the years at talent of riding in uh, random old Steuben saddles that don't have knee blocks and stuff have stood me in good stead that way.
0: Yeah, because you're an Albion man, aren't you? I think I was really... I bad. am,
1: yes, yeah. yeah. So I've been with them for... The, um, I think about fifteen years now, which is great.
0: That's that's a good partnership, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, I've also like I've not been stalking you or anything, but I've, I did read up a little bit about you, and I've noticed that you are doing a lot of coaching at the moment. Um, do you think that's kind of because of your the the early start of being coached so well? Um, what would you say your style of coaching is?
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm very lucky to now be in a position still at this relatively young age that I can pick and choose to some extent who who I coach. Um, but I think, I mean, I always remember it was the talent ethos of you had to teach, even if you didn't really know what you were talking about. And that's often what I felt uh, when I was like 16, 17. I was like, gosh, people are turning up and, you know, expecting a lesson. And I'm, I'm meant to <laughs> tell them what to do. And I don't know what I'm doing. Um But you just, the more you do, the better you get. And I think, so I was thrown into it at the deep end Um, and then eventually I learned to swim a bit. Um, But I think now uh, I've, you know, I've worked really hard to, in my own coaching, I've done a lot of courses um, and obviously qualifications, um, but I've worked really hard to develop my knowledge and I'm so fortunate to, have just picked up by word of mouth, you know, some Olympic show jumpers and event riders and some, you know, Grand Prix dressage riders. And so I think for me, the broadness of my background combined then with, um, I think always when you, you know, I'm not going to say that it wasn't helpful having a leg up, you know, from a, if you like a family legacy, Of, of course that's helpful. But I think beyond that, it's just hard work and just, you know, committed to giving the best out of your clients so from a coaching point of view that like my my biggest thing is i just like i don't have my phone on unless it's emergencies i'm there i'm with my clients the whole time i'll do 18 20 lessons a day i don't mind but uh, i'm i'm there and i and I'm, when i'm there I'm, I'm committed to them you know and to the riders improvement so that's like i, I get such a buzz out of um working with any riders but and actually more so with like jumpers in particular has really helped my dressage because you tend to see traits when you're teaching the volume that I work with you tend to really start to like see okay so jumpers can often yeah. yeah exactly and then you can kind of you swap those around a bit and you steal ideas off each other which is amazing
0: so I think as well, as, I, as I've got older, my coaching style has definitely changed. I, I'm much better now. Not, and I don't think it's just the knowledge. It's also how you present yourself. Um, and you're more understanding, I think, of you know, how to fix problems, aren't you, if you get older?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's almost like less pressure to be good, you know, at what you yes. do, isn't it? As you're older, it's almost a bit of a rite of passage that you, 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 hopefully you assume you know what you're talking about a bit more.
0: And what qualities do you look for in your own, you know, like with Carl and things? What would you say? Like, why is he a good coach for you?
1: Um, Apart from obviously
0: being amazing, but, you know, aside from... Yeah,
1: I I don't know whether I I, I might answer this a bit controversially. (laughs) Um, And like, Carl is an amazing rider and and an, an amazing businessman as well. I think he's created a system that works for him. Um, and it suits his lifestyle and uh, he works incredibly hard for it. Um, but I think where, where Carl's skills are is that he he can coach through his eyes. But I would say that if you're not a rider that is knowledgeable enough, then... Well, it could be difficult. Yes, you yeah. have to really try and read between the lines. And if you if you are a rider that is seeking more understanding... You might not get that in a lesson with Carl, but if you are a rider that is as not as good as Carl is, but competent enough to be credible for one of Carl's lessons, you get a lot out of it. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in, that's a good point. Um, I agree with that. And it looks like from what I've seen as well that you coach all around the world. Do you do like do you teach every day? For, like for me, I teach in the afternoons generally. Uh, do you do specific days? Uh, how does all of that work?
1: I'm trying to get to that. Um, it's always a, a little bit of a juggle um, because there are some clinics that can only do some days um, throughout the month and so on like that. Um, and, you know, when you're um, when you're building your business and kind of rebranding, which is what I've been kind of going through at the moment, then, um, you know, you have to just kind of juggle it all around. Um, but I teach. Yeah, I do teach every day. I occasionally try and take a day off. Um, and that uh, recently my, my horses, my string of horses has been quite young, That it's meant that I can afford to go and teach more. And I have yeah. been working seven days a week, you know, teaching, um, an incredible amount of lessons a week, but now that's starting to switch a bit and I'm starting to have to apologize to my clients saying, <laughs> you know, actually the horses need to come first a little bit and, um, and that's what takes precedent, really.
0: So have you been doing a lot of Zoom lessons and things during COVID then?
1: Yes. Uh, I was actually looking at my March numbers the other day. So I think I do about a third of, uh, sorry, a quarter of my lessons are Zoom lessons. Uh, and I've got a regular string of about 15 riders or so that have weekly on- online lessons yeah uh, and then the rest are all um or all, all in person which is amazing because if you'd asked me a year ago do you do online lessons or, or do you even 18 months ago now uh, you know you'd be like what who does yeah. that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no I know it's uh it's incredible how it's changed and I think it probably will remain like that won't it going forward for some people especially with you know it's you... An, an advantage if you don't want to travel around always
1: Exactly. Do you do uh, online ones, Zoom once?
0: Yeah, I've just started to do it and I'm really enjoying it, actually. I think it's, it's quite nice as well to be able to stay at home and be able to teach actually from the sofa sometimes. I have to admit, it's, you know, it's good. But um, I think you, it gives you a different perspective, actually, from teaching like that. You see things a little bit differently.
1: De- very much so. I find that due to the nature of not ha- always having quality signal and so on, um, you, it makes you... I think be more of an overall perspective you know if there's a glitch or something you can't you you can't see everything because of it but it does mean that you can be i find myself being a bit more philosophical if you like you start to talk about the reasons why things happen um rather than actually in the moment
0: yes i would agree with that yeah yeah i think i think it's been a really useful time actually for everybody as much as it's been a setback and i miss seeing everybody i think yeah i definitely learned something from covid anyway
1: I think we're so lucky with equestrians that we have a lifestyle that means that we can still work. And I you know, I feel so sorry for people that uh, are unable to work and have been stuck in a house with five kids. And, you know, it must be must be hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We're horrible, isn't it? <laughs> so you have recently moved to Glasgow, Charlie. Um, yes. What was that like? Because you're quite far away from everything now, aren't you? So- yeah.
1: Yeah. So... Um, so moved so let me think about the timeline here um bought a house up here in we moved in in october 2019 so before lockdown thankfully um oh, was that 2018 i've got so lost of all the years now but uh, yeah been up here uh, about 18 months or so and um, <clears throat> it's been amazing so initially i just um did if you like a uh, I had some amazing long term clients with me when I was down south in the Cotswolds and um, just, you know, had conversations with them about um, and I helped them find uh, other yards for their horses and other um, trainers to work with. Um, okay. yeah. So I then only took with me uh, a five year old mare that I had at the time um, and then just so kind of. Go that's on.
0: quite daunting just going probably with one horse, isn't it? Like when you're used to having a lot of horses.
1: Yeah, I think I knew that the the move needed to be made in terms of um the like the decisions behind moving really were from I've always wanted to own uh, my own property and I've always wanted to um build my own business as well and it, obviously house prices in Scotland are uh, a little bit easier to manage than the Cotswolds um, yeah. <laughs> and I've always had a big client base up here too so um I kind of just hopefully saw a bit of a gap in the market for dressage trainers up here. um, It was a
0: natural move then for you there really, wasn't it?
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah. And then yeah, just kind of over the years, it was based at a, a yard, um a livery yard for um a year, um which was which was great for what we needed, but we out- outgrew that and now we are where we are here just outside of Glasgow. And um So really, is the
0: house with the horses are at home as well then? Not the at, no, not
1: at the moment. So Boss property that's about 20 minutes, just literally on the coast, um in a lovely uh, town called Troon. Um, and then the yard is just outside of Glasgow, um, which is about a 25 minute commute. And um, we're in the process. Uh, I have no idea how, how we've done it in the, the, the year of lockdown, but before Christmas this year, we said, right, okay, this is going to be a quiet year. Uh, Cause I think we <laughs> bought something like four horses, bought a horse box, bought the house, done the house up. And was like, right, let's just, let's just chill and then um we like decided to buy another horse and another horse and upgrade the horse box and move yards and now we're building stables and building a walker and it's like, oh, so okay it's getting
0: big now yeah that's yeah. that is that is the problem because like i started as well with having i think six horses when i came back from germany yeah and we've now got 23 in stables and i worked out the other day with broodmares and things like that i probably own 11 horses and I was like oh how has that happened that should not be happening (laughs) but it is a bit addictive so you have to be a bit careful I think
1: thing is as a rider as you know you need to develop your string don't you and you need to have horses coming through um it's a bit like an academy if you don't have people coming through and you don't get the best out of um out of those individuals and you need that that um pipeline of horses so it's the only way to do it you've
0: got five yeah go on carry on
1: if you want to be good if you you know if you want if it's always a risk if you've got one horse isn't it that it can go lame
0: yeah 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 you definitely need to have a few i just think you've got to have a few but not like over over 10 i think that's pushing it
1: yeah (laughs) so So, you're going to do a color you're going to sell one
0: i'm going to have to sell more than one i think at this rate but yeah no i've got a few definitely then then you don't want to sell them when you get them to the level so that's the that's the crazy thing about the whole situation yeah (laughs) um so you've, you've got a variety of horses have you you've got you've got did you say you've got five
1: um hang on how many have we got now so we've uh got a foal um just there's been the latest edition uh, and then we've got a three-year-old um and we've got two four-year-olds two five-year-olds the the eldest is five and then I've got a few horses in for training uh, and one for sale as well so I think we've got about eight or nine at the moment with another horse coming in uh, on Sunday too.
0: And do you have like a particular type of horse that you like to ride?
1: Uh, yes ones that are rideable and that move nicely and are put together nicely and that's about my, uh, my type is that I like horses that you you look at them and you go gosh That looks impressive. something
0: about you, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't mind riding quirky horses. You know, with my background, I've been I can ride pretty much anything. Um, But that actually had the opposite effect with me, and to some extent, I had to learn to move away from that because I could ride difficult horses. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually have had to learn to be a little bit more specific about. and realistic about if you want to compete and nowadays you need to be scoring 80% to be you know, in the top five or the top 10, um, you need to be more specific about the type of horse that you're riding.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so will you keep all of those and are you going to sell some of those as well?
1: Um, so it's a little bit of a juggle uh, depending on what new part of the business we build. Um, but I think all of them... The the kind of the business model that I go by is I buy horses that I think are going to be good enough for me. Um, yeah. And then that way, if the time comes that we need to sell one of them, then I know that the, I'm guaranteeing my clients the product because it's got like my stamp of approval rather than doing the bulk buying thing and saying, right, let's see who we can palm these other ones off to. I'd...
0: Yeah, they're good quality. The ones that you choose in
1: them. Exactly, exactly. So I think any horses for sale, unfortunately, for the right price, isn't it?
0: And are they are they a mixture of mares, geldings, stallions? Yeah,
1: so uh, no stallions, uh, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> and we've got uh, actually only we went through a phase of having five mares and one gelding, uh, that poor gelding. But um, we've now got only one mare and the rest of all geldings.
0: Really? Yeah. See, I'm more of a gelding stallion kind of girl. I do like mares, but I'm definitely inclined to ride a gelding over anything else. I think.
1: Yeah, and the problem is is mares have to like they will say you know mares have to want to do it. Um, yeah. Again, it's like I've I've been given those types of rides, so I've had to learn as a rider to. To think a little bit like that, and obviously growing up with a uh, strong dam line that I did in my household, yeah. I think that's <laughs> helped me.
0: <laughs> that's it. You're used to mares, yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say has been your biggest achievement so far?
1: Um, uh, what would be my biggest achievement so far? Getting to this point in life. Uh, <laughs> no. But
0: competitively, what are you most proud yeah, of? Yeah,
1: I'd say. um it's an interesting one so I've got obviously a few few championships which is quite helpful um but actually the the journey with um the horse super blue that uh, actually last won a championship on um, still now a few years ago I need to get back out there um yeah but um he was quite an interesting story because the owner contacted me having had a few people uh, fall off him and um him, I think, yeah, he caused a couple of injuries uh, and a few other riders had said basically he was no good um, and that uh, he was useless. Uh, and then just uh, I just saw something in him the first time I tried him and, uh, and he wasn't any, you know, he's still not, nothing. He's not a super horse, but he, he was a real trier and actually um I felt that straight away there was something there and just over the years just as I developed him I think I trained him up to Grand Prix and did one Grand Prix unsuccessfully but when we won the Inter 1 championships um at the winters it was um it was just a nice moment to put the icing on the cake of you know actually believing in a horse when a lot of others don't
0: yeah yeah well, I can relate to that, actually, because my Grand Prix horse that's well, he's, he's just about to do a Grand Prix, uh, he booked his owner off and she broke her arm. Um, and I actually took that horse for a lesson when he was four to Carl and Carl was like, what is this horse? And then I've taken him back a few years later and he's like, where did you get this horse again? And I was like, this was the four year old. And he's like, no, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, he, he's probably going to be one of my best horses. So I think that's quite often the case, isn't it? Um, it's about the journey, not always the end result. I think sometimes. that's the
1: hardest thing in our sport is I think in other disciplines, you get to see a horse's um, natural ability sooner as a jumper yeah. or as an event horse. You get to like, you get more of a basic understanding quicker, whereas with the Grand The journey to Grand Prix is you just don't know because at the end of the day, it relies, you're relying more on character than anything else to get you there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, And what about, who would you say is you, like another top rider that you admire and why do you admire them?
1: Um, So I was thinking about this and I actually, I mean, obviously uh, I have huge respect for Carla as a rider and trainer having ridden so many different types of horses um and actually to be frank all of the you know top 10 riders there's always something to learn but I also try to um really look outside the world of dressage too um yeah and I follow a lot of other sports uh not that rugby is anything relatable to dressage but um I follow rugby and I watch Formula One and um, I just, i to be honest with you, I take inspiration from anybody that's better than me. Uh, there's always yeah. something to learn and I just stay open-minded. I don't really have that's one weird. idol.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really healthy way to be. Um, you know, you can pick up, like you said, from everyone's got something to, that you can learn from. Yeah. So, OK. And you've won six national titles. Uh, how did you prepare mentally for those wins?
1: Um, <laughs> they were won by luck more than anything else. I remember one of those, I will admit, was on a technicality because uh, it was the Young Horse PSG. They don't do it anymore, but they basically it was a sash and a title um, for the... Like the highest placed uh, young horse in the PSG at the nationals, and that year Carl had uh, won it on Utopia, um, but yeah. he didn't put his name down for that title, so it went to me instead.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that's that's. It. I never knew that but, one.
1: So yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still claiming that one. Um,
0: you still won that yeah, one? exactly.
1: I got the prize money, the sash, and the title. <laughs> so it's all good.
0: <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> that is very
1: lucky. Yeah, I mean, I think it. Does come to like right place, right time, there are so many variables in our equestrian sport of um, horses staying sound is is one of the obvious ones, um, but actually, you know you can find yourself as a competitor when you 're having a really good season, and for no rhyme or reason, the horse is just off their peak, whether their bloods are down a little bit or whether they 're just a little bit fatigued. You know, and that's the hardest thing, I think, is the timing of when to gear a horse up at the right moment in the annual calendar to win, hopefully, the, the right um, Exactly, year. I think timing is the, the hardest thing to get right with horses.
0: But in each of those um, wins, do you think that you took, like, was there an element of risk-taking in that performance? Or would you say it was all in the planning or a mixture? <sighs>
1: uh i'd say obviously a mixture of both um you, you, know, you need the planning and you need those fundamentals in place uh because otherwise it's down to luck um and there are yeah. too many uncontrollables in dressage already for it to leave it to chance um but there is also an element of risk taking it's hard to say looking for back like with hindsight now actually because in the moment you're just you're so busy caught up in everything you know and often as a professional rider you might have four or five horses to compete and uh you bring the horse out of the box twice a day and you just you get on the wheel and you just keep going and that's the only way I can describe it as you have a system that you do with your horses and you hope that the training that you've done at home um is is evident in the test um but you do get also a sense when you know that you're performing slightly better than your competitors throughout the season, you're thinking this might be my chance and you, you obviously yeah. try not to think about it and you put that to the back of your mind, but uh, I get quite excited when I compete um, and I really actually thrive under pressure situations. So yeah. the, the bigger the stakes are for me, the, the bigger I perform.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's evident in, I think, in your success, that you've got to have that kind of star quality to do that. Yeah. Not, not everybody can do that. No.
1: No, that's something I learned as a coach, is that I, I've learned definitely in my later years that actually not everyone is trying to be an Olympic medalist. Not that I'm even that yet, but, you know, it's that some people are just wanting to enjoy the journey and get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And with those six wins, are they were they all at different levels? Or... Yes,
1: they were. Um, so I think they were like novice. Uh, I think even one was like prelim. Uh, one was novice.
0: wins. Yeah, one. exactly.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, they were all just different levels and unfortunately nothing yet at Grand Prix. Um, but, yeah, that's also determined, the horsepower determined as well.
0: Yeah. And you obviously have a very positive mindset. Do you do something to prepare like that mentally?
1: I think it's it's an interesting one, that, because is it nature? Is it nurture? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I would say as my looking back at myself so far, I think my ignorance and arrogance um rightly or wrongly got me through a lot of situations but that also cost me um In some exactly. exactly yeah. uh, and then uh, I'm fortunate enough that um my partner's a mindset and performance coach so that does help uh, and obviously I utilize her as, <laughs> as much as <laughs> yeah, possible Yes as much as you can um, but I do yeah. work on you know I think uh, I'm learning and I've definitely learned over the last few latter years in my life that, um, you, you know, pride can get in the way. And that's something that I've had to kind of manage myself is that um, it's okay to not know and it's okay to not have yeah. all the answers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting concept to think about. Um, where do you see yourself in the future? What are the plans?
1: Um, so I, would I I take my inspiration a bit from two riders from Carl's kind of business model and Andre Helpstrand's. I know I'm aiming high on both of them but um, I'd like to over the next five years just really just work hard develop a uh, sustainable business that can keep horses uh, at International level, um, and have horses coming through um, with some uh, what is what 's the right word that i 'm looking for, kind of like specific buying and selling, not a dealer but pro- the production of horses and then kind of selling
0: just well produced exactly races, yeah
1: uh, and that combined with coaching then that hopefully uh, if my timeline's right, my two five year olds which I have quite high hopes for there 'll be ten. So uh in five years' time when we'll be having this conversation again, I should just about <laughs> just about be debuting at Grand Prix.
0: That's good. And what breeding are they um,
1: so I've got um the Gelding he's uh Mount John, uh he's um Mount St. John Ferriccio. So he is by uh Benicio um out of a yeah. Franciscus mare. And then
0: the German yes.
1: yeah. uh and then the uh mare uh, she is um out of a jumping mare uh and by rhodium
0: okay yeah
1: so she's more dutch
0: and are they, and are they quite similar totally horses, different horses <laughs> okay.
1: so yeah. um benny the gelding he is like I, I feel like um i'm tigger in winnie the pooh <laughs> Bouncing yeah. down the long side with no straightness whatsoever, but an abundance <laughs> of energy that I just cannot control. And I'm a long way off being able to do a test at the moment, but I have a, a huge belief that he's going to be an amazing horse. Um, and then the mayor, Lucia, she is the complete opposite. She is the straightest, most consistent, metronomical horse ever. <laughs> But um, she, she actually is a real underdog. I bought her and her younger brother um, off a friend of mine uh, up here in Scotland, Matt McFarlane, and um, he, he bred them both um, for himself. And, um, and I, I saw them and went, can I buy those? But um, <laughs> she, uh, she, I rang him the other day and I said, just to let you know, I, I sold the, the gelding, um, Lucia's younger brother. And I was like, but Lucia's actually turning into quite a nice horse now. He said, yeah, she she was the better horse as a foal, but she went through, and I was like, uh, a developing phase? And he said, yeah, we'll just call it that, (laughs) a developing phase. But she's come out of that phase now. I'm like, actually, you're a really good horse. Um, She has all the mechanics there, so um, time will tell.
0: A lot of breeders say that, don't they, that um, they're really nice foals and they can have kind of like the ugly duckling stage where everything kind of, grows in the wrong direction for a while and then it can all come back together and then you get the type of horse that stays kind of in the perfect confirmation the whole way up but that's not necessarily the best no exactly i quite agree so and what goals have you got in 2021 well, what's left? Yeah. Um, to go out
1: so I guess I'm, I might venture out and do some five year old classes. Uh, I've got a seven year old in for training um, that I might do some mediums on and just actually get back out there and start competing. I haven't, I've been so busy working hard, you know, developing the business that uh, I actually haven't competed since the Nationals 2019 um so I feel I need to put on my uh, jacket exactly. yeah exactly um and and just keep just, you find it's just a constant quest for getting better isn't it whether it's through your coaching whether it's through your riding producing the horses it's just you know every year I just try and be a better version of myself
0: do you have a fitness routine as well, uh,
1: then? I try to when I've got time. Um, <laughs> so I, I love running and um, I...
0: Do you? I absolutely hate running. I'm like, I'm forcing myself to do a marathon, but um, I don't really oh, know why. Oh, that's amazing. That's good. Do <laughs>
1: Definitely um, do that. No, I, I love running. Um, I just, it makes me so tired, whether, whether I do it um, in the mornings or in the evenings. I just like, I start eating more. It has a counterintuitive um yeah exactly but I do and I try and do some yoga and stuff like that um and I do some like balancing ball work and I was on the world class program for a bit so I got to know what you do with like resistance bands and stuff but I have to say that that if I've got a choice between working out and going to teach a lesson I'd rather go teach a lesson or ride a horse
0: yeah yeah I know I know what you mean it's more interesting isn't it um, and do you, will you compete in Scotland or will you come back to England to I do
1: it I would probably do um, I'm looking already at the Premier League and high profiles of what to do there I'd probably sooner come down to England uh, I might do a couple of shows just up here just to get some experience under the horses belts you know some low key no pressure um, situations but um, I haven't really thought about it um, beyond that yet
0: yeah. And do you still go home to Talon
1: to Yes, them, I do. I was actually down there last yeah. week um, with my official government letter saying that I could travel um, <laughs> could but, uh, because I'm the mentor for the um, BF world class um, podium potential pathway uh, oh, program. Okay. So um, we had our selection uh, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for, for that. And that was really interesting. So I stayed at Talon there. Um And I kind of go down to Talland and see the family every time i 've got something official to do and then I can yeah. kill two birds with one stone
0: and presumably then you can t- when you go and compete in England, you can take the horses and stay there and make it like stay here for a few weeks exactly i mean that's
1: that 's kind of the idea yeah. is that um okay you know glasgow 's quite a trek from anywhere if you 're traveling down south, but actually. We've got the base of talent that we can use, and um, maybe almost do something like the equivalent of the Sunshine Tour, where you go down from talent, and then you, you know, spread your wings, go to a few shows, and then come back up again.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, um, hopefully, see you out and about soon. Then, when you get out, when are you to next out? Um, uh, I'll probably start doing some of the Premier Leagues. So I think I've got the regionals in May um and then i've got a grant i'm going to do my first grand prix on my new horse so um, that'll okay. be exciting um and what sort of advice would you give to up-and-coming riders charlie maybe someone that's not got the biggest budget yeah
1: actually um as i mentioned uh, i'm the mentor for the world class program but i also do that for the british dressage um academy program too and um been having discussions with riders on the program quite a lot about um what what type of horses they should be looking for because I've had a rider that um is actually a fairly decent budget but spoken about what her goals are more importantly what her long-term goals are versus what her short-term goals are because I think when you're limited with the budget and you're, you're wanting to be a, an up-and-coming rider, you have to really take into consideration the long-term plan. You know, quite often, riders will buy an expensive pony or an expensive junior horse and then will um, kind of uh, cut off their nose to spite their face. When, when it comes to actually needing that string of horses behind, as you know, it's such a big jump up to senior level. Um, and yeah. the other thing that changes there is is that riders go from being funded by their parents to needing to do it, start to do it on their own, and that's really where a lot of riders and myself included have, have struggled with that that gap. Unless you're working for a prof- another professional rider, so
0: yeah, no one really prepares you for sort of doing the business on your own and um, the pitfalls of that, I suppose.
1: No, exactly. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Nothing
0: um, either. And aside, from, Yeah, I can hear you. It, okay. went, it went a bit funny Sorry. though, didn't it? So no, that's really good that's really good advice. Um and aside from riding, what else do you like doing Charlie when you're um, walking,
1: sleeping. No. Um, <laughs> I don't get much time <laughs> yeah, for too. that one. Um, but I think yeah, I just enjoy going out for dinner. Um, like I said, I do enjoy going for a run and staying fit. And um, hopefully, when lockdown, when we come out of lockdown, we'll um, be able to go out for dinner again soon and and go to a bar. That would be a novelty.
0: I know how nice. It'll be. Yeah, it'll just be nice to just be out out yeah. and about with people again, would not it? Um, no, well, thank you very much for your time today. Um, and it sounds like you've got a really interesting business model going on and some nice horses to compete. So I wish you all the best no, with that. Brilliant.
1: Thank you, Natalie. That's... Um,
0: and yeah, thank thank you. you very much I'll for see having you me.
1: Soon. Okay.
0: You're welcome. Bye-bye. Um, I'll see you soon. Bye. That was lovely to catch up with Charlie again and listen to some of his stories. I wish him all the best in the future. Check him out on Facebook. It's Charlie Hutton Equestrian. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please, please share it on social media. Thank you.